Hello listeners, welcome back to ASMR Quest, the podcast not intended to trigger ASMR, but rather about ASMR. I'm your host, John, with your other with my co-host, as always. Ian Fox. Yeah. That's my name. I'm covered in fleas. And uh, that listeners, for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, was the most professional intro we've ever done. Oh, you didn't you didn't uh, catch what I was doing? Uh no, I wasn't listening to you. Nice. Uh, so you said something about fleas, right? Covered in fleas. Okay, it was, is that a reference to something? Or are you just saying you're covered in fleas? Well, John, why does everything have to be references and in-jokes and... Oh, okay, well, no, because if you're... If the question was just... Whatnot, just covered in fleas. It, okay, it's well, so then... It, it's how things are. <laughs> okay, well, in that case, I did see what you were... Uh, or, I did hear what you were doing, and um, I've got to say, it was still our most professional intro. Although, at this point... That maybe no longer. Um, Hard to focus. I hope, I, I hope your fleas get better. Yeah. They're covered in fleas. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, maybe you should... I'm actually not sure what you do about fleas, but whatever it is, you should do that. I don't know that you uh, can you do should... anything, right? Because, I mean, they're so small that they're basically invincible. <laughs> like, you can't, you can't squish a flea, right? No, that's true. And, like, maybe... I don't know, you could take a bath or something... And maybe the fleas drown. But then there's also this problem where, you know, first off, they're a lot smaller than you, so um, the amount of oxygen they need, like, relative to their body mass, you know, it's sort of like a, a square cubed law thing. Right. So they could probably yeah. just live fucking forever holding their breath. Well, um, they can also just, they can just, like, pluck a, a molecule of oxygen out of the water. Um, or an atom. I don't know, I guess what, they, you need <laughs> what a molecule. About? Well, just, they're so small, they can just, like, pluck molecules whenever they want. I'm pretty sure they're they're too large for that to be true. I've always been under the impression that, you know, once you get fleas, you don't get them for the rest of your life. So is there some, like, secret to getting rid of them you don't know about, or do they just kind of eventually get bored and move on to something else? Well, the thing that I would think um, is that, you know, if you get fleas, probably what's happened is, like, one flea sort of bounces on top of you for for one reason or another, lays a hundred trillion eggs and dies, right? And then you're covered in fleas. Right. But that's, like, I mean, you know, that's clearly not a genetically diverse population. And probably through the ages, because, you know, fleas, they probably live at, like, one ten thousandth, you know, as long as people, so it's, like, very accelerated. One of those things where you go to bed... And the fleas are in the Stone Age. You wake up, and there's mm-hmm. all sorts of skyscrapers on your arm, except they're fleas, yep. so they're just like normal, normal tiny little bumps or something. Right, right. Um, and then probably what happens is the fleas develop some sort of you know nuclear weapon or biological <laughs> agent, um, and as is sort of the, the basic hubris of all technological progress, it does not um, match the speed of sort of social or moral progress. Um, and as a result of these you know, deep-seated um, biases and um, conflicts between the different flea populations, like you know, on your armpit versus your groin or something, mm-hmm. um, they just sort of you know, uh, render your skin uninhabitable. Okay, that's my understanding. And so that's why, like, that's why if you look at you know under your fingernails or something in a microscope, you'll see like mm-hmm. tiny little statues of liberty. And little pyramids of keys all, all, all dusted and all blown up and whatnot. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And nature's really amazing. That, that re- it truly is. Um, uh, it's amazing how much we can learn simply from uh, observing fleas. Mm-hmm. Um, also, they have now... fun little circuses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that was not all... why we're here. <laughs> that's true. We're here to talk about listener engagement with our amazing podcast. It's true. Uh, so, uh, you may be surprised to learn that we don't have any new ratings or reviews on iTunes. Uh, I am surprised. You may also be uh, surprised to learn that our only new email is from Google. And it's just, you know, one of those sort of uh, emails that they send to everyone with a Gmail account. Hey, John. John. Yeah. Is, is there some sort of uh, fucking memo in that email? 
some sort of like uh, what, what was it called? It's like the whole Google oh. thing. <laughs> There's like some word for it, right? Like, uh, manifesto? Yeah, manifesto. That's the word. There was uh, manifesto yeah. in that email? Uh, there was not. Uh. <laughs> uh. You're on watch, Google. And so then on the on the Twitter sphere, uh, in the tweet zone, we do have a tweet... Uh, directed at us uh, from Jay Stroud at Mr. Holy John, oh, paging at ASMR Quest, uh, and he has um, re- retweeted a tweet at us uh, from T space O space O, uh, sorry, T space O space N space Y at um, Konehito, I think is maybe how that's pronounced. Um, uh, and and th- they say, the ASMR in this video is insane, and uh, there's a video here. Um, and so I, I did watch this video. It's about 23 seconds long. Um, and I, I didn't feel that it was um, sufficiently binaural to uh, trigger ASMR for me, um, nor that I, did I feel that it was long enough. Would you describe it as insane, though? Um, no. But, no. <laughs> Which, is it sane, then? Or like um, a sane amount of ASMR for a video? I mean, it is a very little ASMR for a video, in fact. Maybe an insanely small amount of ASMR for a video which purports to be about ASMR. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Something to ponder. So, uh, so Ian, as you can see, our listener engagement isn't great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you want to maybe help us figure out why our listener engagement isn't great? Or oh, how let me that? tell you, John. I think that there's a great way to figure out how to improve listener engagement, and that's mm-hmm. over in the Indulgences Corner. As always, in the Indulgences Corner, we go through the article The Seven Secrets to a Successful Podcast by Yaro Starak. Um, it's not actually by him, though. It is by Tony Chamba Mwangi Naganja. Hmm. Yeah, I got that part down now. Um, and it is an article that gives you the seven secrets to creating a successful podcast. Um, the past four times that we've looked at this article, we've learned um, such exciting secrets as that we must own our podcast. Um, that you got to have like you know eighty percent of it is is content, twenty percent is the sort of image on top. You got to have a nice microphone. Um, I've spent probably a good three to four hours a week thinking about um, this. <laughs> This image has got to have the chops. Um, my host of the Thunder Show, Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, this week, if I'm going to make a comment about um, this image, um, his hair, the hair of host of the Thunder Show, Gary Vaynerchuk, is so dark that it blends in with the perfectly black background of this image. And that's that's impressive to me, just how black this man's hair is. Um, it is truly midnight. Um, and this week we are on rule number five, or secret number five, sorry, these aren't rules, these are the secrets. <laughs> Although this secret actually is a rule, it is the 715 podcast rule. Um, so Tony first heard about this from the podcast answer man, Cliff Ravenscraft, uh, who lamented about people who would buy expensive podcast equipment only to abandon podcasting soon after. Um... And the 715 rule is basically saying that um, basically before you go out of your way to do anything for your podcast in terms of like you know, getting equipment or scheduling or like sort of deciding it's going to be a real thing, um, you probably need to make about seven podcasts or up to 15. Um, so it's saying make seven to 15 podcasts before you really commit to the podcasting lifestyle. Um, if I if I look at how we're doing on that secret, um, I think we're we're sitting at very nearly thirty podcasts at this yeah, point. Yeah, we've blown past that. Uh huh. Um, and well, I mean, I'd say that I don't have expensive equipment, and that's true. But I do have <laughs> sort of um, impressive equipment. I think in that I do have one of those uh, microphone holding arms. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I I don't, I'd say you've invested a lot in uh, this podcast. Um, you bought the, you have the microphone holding arm, mm-hmm. you have that nearly 
uh, $40 microphone, as we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see that you currently are wearing some on-ear headphones, which well, these, I'm sure cost an arm and a leg. did buy, I think, about five years ago. It's a sort of fun thing with these um, headphones that I'm wearing right now. Mm-hmm. When I first got them, they had that sort of, like, fake um, leather coating on them. Uh, uh-huh. But now it's just foam. Wow. It all sort of rubbed away <laughs> over the years. That's and amazing. So what I'm wearing right now are some um, some really cheap Sony headphones. Why is it really cheap? They're like <laughs> they're like fifteen bucks. Whoa! Not like not like dollar headphones or anything. Mm. Not stuff you yeah, get on yeah. an airplane. But they were pretty cheap. I don't think I've ever found a pair of on-ear headphones um, more comfortable. It's just like oh. it's super light, perfectly reasonable sound quality. Um, you know, like nothing compared to Bose or whatever. Like I have a, I have a pair of like actually nice over-the-ear headphones I use in my office. Um, but I've, I've kept on, like, I've, I must have bought $80 worth of other headphones over the years <laughs> looking to replace these guys. Like, there's got to be a better way. And the answer, appear, it, it doesn't appear like there is. <laughs> it seems like these are just the best I'll ever find. Oh, well. I mean, I guess, like, maybe it's sad that you've peaked, um, but maybe it's also great that you've found what you need. Yeah, I mean they're 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 sort of they're no longer particularly nice to look at, but hopefully that's not a thing that's really weighs into uh, much consideration with headphones. Hey, what? What a wonderful kind of day! Oh, wow, we're getting we're getting <laughs> to discuss all the junk out of the way <laughs> <laughs> to discuss Arthur. Well, I felt that that segment had really gone on as long as it needed to, mm-hmm. um, and I also um, because you started. Um, the section of the podcast that really doesn't need me at all. I just uh, quietly listened to um, Chance the Rapper's cover of the Arthur theme song, just kind of quietly mm-hmm. while you were talking. Because mm-hmm. um, that's that. I just want the listeners to know that's how dedicated we are. Um, but also, I, I knew that it would. I'd have this this great um, explanation mm-hmm. uh, afterwards. So I, I knew it was all worth it. Wow! I, I had the listeners in mind. Did the whole you time. plan on explaining uh, the explanation? I think so. Yes. Okay. Uh, How many layers that win? <laughs> so I, um, yeah, we're playing real mind games with our with our uh, with our bits here mm-hmm. and our segments. Um, so yeah, I listened to the Chance the Rapper uh, cover of the Arthur theme song. I'm gonna say it was, it was a jam. It starts off a lot slower than the the traditional version that you're all familiar with uh, by Ziggy Marley, um, but it it really it really finds its groove. Um, and I would say check it out. Um, so I think that's it for the the Arthur Corner this well, week. Well, do you Thank think you I, I just want to dig into this a little bit? Yeah, you know, we, oh, okay. we can't just we can't just deliver these facts and not sort of dissect them to some degree. That would right. run very contrary to the the nature of the Arthur Corner. Um, do you think it is a cover? It is one of the types of covers that sort of expounds upon the original message in the um, artifact which it which it covers. Or do you think it is? It, it uses that as sort of a, a, a leaping off point to to hit new sort of artistic expressions. Um, I, I'd say that it is very much sort of a uh, its own sort of unique song that is uh, inspired by the original more so than a copy of the original. Okay. Um, certainly, uh, a lot of the. Um, melodic elements are still there. A lot of the lyrics are still there, um, but it, it definitely takes it in a very different direction. So it's more of like a uh, more of a my favorite things than a kids bop. Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> I'll be honest. I I just brought that up sort of because we're 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 playing mind games today. I just brought that one up because I thought of that sort of dichotomy just now. Of like you got the kids bop covers and you got the my favorite things covers the the jazz covers in general and right. I was really proud of it and I wanted to share it. Okay, well that's actually very on the nose because this is in fact a jazz cover. Really? Yeah, more so than like a hip hop cover. I would oh, say it's a jazz cover of Arthur. Hmm. I mean, like a lot of um, I, I I don't know if you've listened to Chance's most recent uh, two albums or one of them is accredited to him. The other one is not directly associated with him but it, it's largely him um and they're much more heavily jazz influenced than some of his other stuff i mean he's always definitely had some jazz influences in his work but his more recent work has been more heavily jazz influenced hmm. interesting uh, well yeah. i've listened to it i'll have to check it out oh he has some very good stuff you should definitely look into it right now 
<laughs> I'll see you, John, in about an hour and a half. Sounds good. And we're back, listeners. Wow, let me tell you about those new Chance the Rapper albums. Um, he really took a chance on those <laughs> on ones. Me. <laughs> oh, no. Took a chance on me. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, everyone. It's the Abba Corner. It's uh, <laughs> a whole new corner. Just, I think that we've been getting maybe the lack of listener engagement uh, this week was a sort of silent rebuke that we have not introduced a new segment long enough. I don't actually want to introduce a new segment right now. But it would be good. I, just, I think I just want to be really clear about something. Um, we we introduce new segments semi-regularly. We're never going to remove an old segment. <laughs> <laughs> this is an untenable strategy long term. That, that, that is true. But uh, I, I would also like to make it clear right now, the Abba Corner was very much a joke. That segment was not added. It was named in jest, but not added. But. Uh, but. So, nope, 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 nope. I think it's time for the side quests. Um, Ian, did you go on any exciting side quests this week? Um, well, I just went on the sort of same exciting side quest that I've, I've been increasingly going on every week, uh, which is I just sort of look around the internet to see if I can find some ASMR news or mm-hmm. or things. Um, so I was checking out the uh, ASMR subreddit. Um, yes. Let's see. The, the sort of big discussion that I saw from the past week was a question asked by... Um, Michelle Mabel ASMR, um, and she was asking, what is your favorite ASMR videos? And boy, a lot of people wanted to talk about their favorite ASMR videos. Oh, that sounds pretty interesting. I definitely want to take a look at that. Yeah, there was, there was, um, definitely, it seemed like there was a wide variety of videos. I saw some familiar names. Um, the top comment is for something by Heather Feather. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I've watched any of hers, but I've definitely. Did heard I watch the feather video? I don't think so. Oh, I thought we. I thought we had. Oh, uh, maybe. Hmm. Definitely know the name though. Yeah, there's e- ephemeral rift even gets mentioned sort of midway oh, down. Nice. So that was a little exciting. Um, as I sort of told you beforehand, I discovered that BuzzFeed has a an ASMR tag. Um, which does not appear to be used very regularly, and when it is used, does not appear to actually sort of relate to ASMR, sort of almost anti-ASMR, it seems. Because <laughs> a lot of the things that I'm seeing are sort of like challenge videos. Like, how long can you watch people chew with their mouths open? Can you make it through 90 seconds of bone cracking? Um, and so, you know, maybe BuzzFeed didn't quite get a win on that one. Lol. What? Well, the joke oh. is that those are so, the, you're, so you're making fun of BuzzFeed. OMG, John! What a fail! WTF? <laughs> the little, the, the little trending arrow button. You'll never believe how hard this hashtag failed. <laughs> so true. Hashtag epic fail. Does you know what's BuzzFeed's brand nowadays? Because they used to be like you know clickbait, but now everything's clickbait. Like BuzzFeed yeah, I... won. I, I, I feel like like they've actually become more reputable as time has gone on, yeah. and like every other news source has become less reputable. It's almost it's. I don't, I've, and now I used to look at them. And I used to really be like, "Wow, this is this is." I'm just I'm scrolling through the um, the the top thing. A lot of these, like you know, Ashley Graham's first boyfriend dumped her because he was scared she'd get fat. Like to me, that's not even that's not even clickbait. Like what's they just gave me the whole story right there. Like, I... <laughs> oh shit, John! Wait a second. What? Like I've actually discovered because I was I was looking. I was like, yeah, that's not clickbait. Like, wh- why would I click? I'm realizing. I now feel compelled to click. <laughs> it's a... John, I because Buzzfeed... you're curious as to why you're compelled to click. Well, no, it's... I think Buzzfeed has is stealthily developing a new, more potent brand of clickbait. That's based <laughs> off of the premise of clickbait. Like the, yeah, no, it's meta clickbait, right? <laughs> Holy Where, shit. Where, like, you are... It's because you are not inclined to click that you are. Yeah, because, like, it, they've been training us this whole time with clickbait. Like, you know, oh, I want to click that. That seems exciting. You click it, oh, uh, what a disappointment. What they're but doing now, is they're, they're also sort of conditioning us to do the opposite as well. Where, like, if I don't feel compelled to click, maybe I'll, I'll assume 
that it's because it's actually a high quality article, which lowers <laughs> the barrier for content. Like they could literally, if meta clickbait really catches on, you could just you could put anything out there. <laughs> this might be like a sort of long con to create a fully automated um, news farm. And I think we're the first on cover it, John. Oh shit. Well, I'd love to get into that and perhaps save the future of the world, but that's not what we do on this podcast. That's true. That's so probably enough I'm side press re- on my end, so I'll pass the torch over to you. Alright, um, yeah, I, I did watch a bunch of uh, ASMR videos in my free time. Um, I didn't feel that there was anything particularly uh, noteworthy about any of them. Um, so I just wanted to quickly mention um, ASMR, uh, Dancing Lady, Trigger Therapy, Dancing Lady, Ear to Ear, Slash Stretching, Slash Massaging, Slash Counting by Gentle Whispering ASMR to check in and do my dailies. Um, I did watch it again this week. Um, I watched it in segments, um, and I was very tired, uh, and it definitely just sort of knocked me right out. So it wasn't really even time to to think about ASMR. Uh, so that's, that's my input this week for that. Nice! I do just want to sort of jump back in and say that I have, in fact, clicked on the article Ashley Graham's first boyfriend, Tucker, <laughs> because he was scared to get fat. And let me tell you, John, um, I think this this maybe bolsters my point, because there's really no reason to click on this article. Um, if you're curious, there's this plus-sized model, Ashley Graham. Uh, they, they call her a plus-sized model. I don't know. She looks She looks pretty much just like... I don't know, voluptuous maybe? If that's a word that's hmm. She's just like she's just like pretty curvy and quite attractive. Huh. Um if you would look at her, you would not uh think of her as like an, an overweight woman. Um okay. and the story is um you know, she's an attractive model. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, Which brings us right to um, our main quest of the week, which was an article we read on the Smithsonian. Can you believe that? Can you believe how fancy we are? I know. That's right. I went to this website, and actually the first thing I did think was the URL is smithsonianmag.com. And I was like, is this some sort of Smithsonian knockoff? Um, That was actually the first thing I thought, too. I specifically googled Smithsonian mag went to the Wikipedia page and looked to see if the URL that they gave for the official Smithsonian publication was, in fact, smithsonianmag.com. The weird thing is smithsonian.com redirects to smithsonianmag.com. So it's not even one of those situations where they couldn't get smithsonian.com. They just had to redirect (laughs) to smithsonianmag.com. Do they use, like, smithsonian.gov or anything? Um, Even? I don't think so. They're not a, um... A governmental institution, are they? I thought they were. Are they? Well, this is going to be fascinating for the listeners. Well, so that's uh, what editing is for, isn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's... It is administered by the government. Yeah. But so Smithsonian.gov uh, did not lead to anything. Okay. Uh, it redirected me to Smithsto- uh, com, which does seem to be unrelated uh, to the Smithsonian mm-hmm. the institution uh, with the museums and the mag. Oh, and just one um, little fun fact for, for our listeners. Um, many of the Smithsonian um, sort of top-level domain options are taken... But you can own Smithsonian.tech or Smithsonian.top for very reasonable <laughs> prices. Um, so maybe check that out. Uh, yeah, so it was, it was, I was pretty excited to see that this was uh, coming from the Smithsonian. Um, and I did find it pretty interesting. Uh, it covered a lot of stuff that we've sort of touched on before, but there was definitely some... Uh, some uh, so, so overall, this is... Um, or the title of this article, I guess, would be a good place to start, is um, How Researchers Are Beginning to Gently Probe the Science Behind ASMR <laughs> by Libby Copeland for smithsonianmag.com. I do just want to point out, ironically enough, um, there are more top-level domain versions of Smithsonian Mag available than there are of Smithsonian. <laughs> so they really uh, are playing a puzzling game here. <laughs> So, um, so this uh, article talks of uh, does a brief overview of sort of what um, 
ASMR is and gives you a little bit of background. Um, and if you've listened to other episodes of this podcast, um, it probably is, uh, it doesn't really have anything meaningful to add. Um, but, uh, but then later, the, the, the bulk of this article, uh, is discussing, uh, we're sort of giving a brief description of a few different studies that, uh, have been done or in the process of being done, uh, around ASMR and talking about the findings that they have and some opinions that the, uh, researchers are forming, um, now, uh, most, uh, uh, most of the opinions that the researchers are giving are not necessarily their scientific opinion. Um, it is just sort of, it, it is still very early in the uh, research process around ASMR. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first thing that I wanted to talk about from this article is it uses the term tingleheads quite a few times, and that is not something that I've really seen anywhere else. Yeah, I really liked it. Um... First off, I would like to say that I think, you know, I don't think that we've really encouraged a particular brand for our listeners, like, sort of to identify themselves as a sort of banner for them to rally behind. Um, Tingleheads might be a good one. It actually might. I am somewhat hesitant because my initial reaction was to sort of be angry that they were throwing this term around in such a cavalier manner, despite the fact that us, uh, seasoned ASMR journalists uh, have not really come across it anywhere, uh, and they were making it seem like it was a well-known term. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, y- you are right; it would be a very good term for our listeners. Actually, I'm I'm sort of blanking here. Have I have I told you about my bold new hashtag? I don't believe you have. Oh my god, John! I had a big revelation. Okay. Um. So I I realized. Um. You know, we, it's all about hashtags, right? Okay. It's all about hashtags. Um, I came up with what I think might be the greatest ASMR hashtag in in all of history. And it is? Hashtag ASMRMY. Oh, I think you did mention that to me at one point. I just wanted to get it on the record that ASMRMY is my IP. <laughs> Do not steal. Um, I'll also, yeah, so I, we, they can't be tingleheads. Our, our followers have to be members of the ASMRMY. Okay. Um, you'll have to uh, tweet out how that hashtag is spelled. I'll figure that part it. out. Okay. <laughs> it's really more of a... Yeah, there's a lot of variations that work. Yeah, more of a vocal um, hashtag than one that you see. Which might, now that I'm thinking about it out loud, <laughs> might be a weakness in a hashtag. Uh, <laughs> but I'm still... And I looked up, I don't think anybody's done it. Alright, well... Ian, I'm glad you're a trendsetter. Starting another great social, uh, or great viral social movement. Mm -hmm. Social media movement. Just like your uh, Unstoppable Like Yourself campaign. It truly is unstoppable because I haven't stopped and I don't know of anything that would make me stop. (laughs) I still am also an active participant in the the Like Yourself campaign. Uh, So getting back to this article, uh, there's a couple different... Uh, research uh, or studies that they, that they talk about. Um, so I was just going to briefly go through each of those. Um, a lot of these, uh, there are papers that have published scientific papers, or not a, not a lot, but a few have published scientific papers, and they did provide links. So uh, hopefully we'll go into more depth for some of these in future episodes. I thought that we had already covered um, pretty much all the papers that were talked about here. I don't think so. No? Okay. I remember we talked about the, the Big Five one. Um, there was that oh, one yeah, about I, I, I the... wasn't sure if that was the same one that we talked about before or if it was a different one. I think that it might have been the same one. I, I remember I looked at... There, there, there's like maybe two or three about this, but there, it's all basically um, the same. There's the one about the... Um, the Whatever it's called. Default mode network, like the, the variable default mode network. Yeah, um, I, I don't recall talking about that one before, but we have. I thought so. I remember I had looked at that when we were um, doing our sort of paper about ASMR. That's when we were sort of getting serious about it. Okay. All right. Uh, maybe we should have talked about this a little bit more beforehand. Let's go through them. Yeah. Let's, okay. Uh, so the first one that they talk about in this uh, in this article is from 2015. Uh, it was conducted at Swansea University um, by Emma Barrett and Nick Davis. Uh, so this was a, um, so this study, they took a survey of 
I don't recall how many people. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, they just surveyed 475 people, uh, and they um, essentially just sort of published the results of the survey. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there were a couple of um, sort of trends in what people say they use ASMR for. So that doesn't necessarily mean that it is effective for these things, but that this is what people report that they use it for. Um, so people will report that they use it to help themselves sleep, to deal with stress, um, to sort of like feel better in general, um, or yeah, to like feel less stressed and feel better. Um, and that includes people who um, scored highly for depression. They reported that after, um, or yeah, who scored high on a survey for depression, those same people um, reported that they felt a lot better after watching ASMR and even for quite some time afterwards or like triggering ASMR. Uh, and that people, uh, some people also reported that they used ASMR videos to help deal with chronic pain, uh, which is kind of interesting. Um, and then, uh, also, uh, a nice data point from the survey, apparently only 5% of people, uh, reported using it for sexual stimulation. Yeah, I saw that. Um, and boy, could I not believe it. <laughs> was I, was that, that's in the strictest definition of the word, an incredible finding. unbelievable some would say (laughs) Uh, well I should have expected that sort of response I I guess it does depend right like are there that many people actively pleasuring themselves to these videos I'm I'm willing to accept probably not (laughs) Um, there's a sexual element to a, a good chunk of these videos is something I think is maybe not a controversial opinion. There is certainly a sexual element to a lot of them. I I won't deny that, but that does not mean that ASMR and like is a sexual thing. I mean, they I, use actually the the more that I that, that we've sort of like looked at the actual research of it, the more that that does seem to be the case. Yeah, seems to be more I like mean, a type of synesthesia. Yeah, like like people use sexuality for marketing all the time. I feel like it's essentially the same thing with ASMR videos. Mm. It's like, it's the same as using sex to sell toothpaste or soda or beer. Like, it is not because you actually, like, tr- associate any of those things necessarily or, like, use oh, hold them. Hold on, John, together. you say that, okay, but beer, I guess, toothpaste is, is pretty clearly a sexual thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, come on, John. <laughs> you can't tell me that when you're brushing your teeth. <laughs> Um, (laughs) so the next survey, or sorry, the next study uh, mentioned in this article uh, was conducted by Stephen Smith uh, and two colleagues, doesn't specific, it doesn't mention them by name, um, at the University of Winnipeg. Uh, So they uh, put 22 subjects into fMRI scanners. Um, the half of them were people who reported experiencing ASMR and half of them were people who did not. Um, so they did not actually trigger ASMR for these people while they were in the fMRI machines. They just sort of like had them lay there, uh, and looked at, uh, the scans for both groups. Um, and this is the default mode network thing that, uh, Ian mentioned earlier that we supposedly talked about before, but I don't recall. Uh, so the default mode network, essentially, uh, from my basic understanding, is that uh, it's this idea um, that there's certain areas of the brain that all sort of, like, are active at the same time um, because they they are all associated. Um, and that for people who report experience ASMR, um, those uh, scans sort of were, were atypical. Or, like, the, the scans at resting were atypical and showed a sort of different default mode network, I guess. Yeah, something I'm not aware of about the default mode network is if it's related to the idea of, like... Um, so I know there's this, there's this big thing in neuroscience where, like, you know, your, your brain sort of um, simultaneously functions at a couple of different levels where you've got the, basically, you know, the central executive um, operation, which sort of directs focus versus a, a sort of broader attentive system that sort of continuously scans your environment. And I wonder if, like, the default mode network is, is related to, like, the, the broader attentive system. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not no. sure. Um, 
But then, uh, um, Stephen Smith um, did also uh, speculate that ASMR uh, could be related to synesthesia, which we've definitely talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like um, having a sort of atypical um, default mode network would be consistent with that idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe in, in a future episode we should delve more into synesthesia and see, like, so I, I believe synesthesia is a much more studied concept. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be more interesting to dive into a little bit more. I also think that, like, even if we have talked about some of these articles a little bit in the past, I don't think we've, like, really delved into any of them that much. Yeah, no, I think um, it's, it's it's perfectly fine to go over them. I don't think that's okay. a bad idea at yeah. all. Um, uh, and so then I the next one... Us that I thought that we had, like, sort of... I, I feel like we had looked at pretty much all this research already. I was like, wow, we're we're, we're forgetting the word because we're... We're making progress on our ASMR quest. Yeah, we we are, but it also means that we're we're sort of running out a little bit. Um, although that's not totally true. We, we've still got plenty more topics we can. At talk the very about. least, there's probably a thousand hours of ASMR content put on YouTube every week. <laughs> um. So then, the next article that the or the next uh, study that this article talks about is uh, another one conducted by Stephen Smith. Um, and this is uh, the one that looks at the uh, the, the big five um, personality measurements um, and I, I, or personality traits. And this one, I, I think, is the same one that we talked about before um, in the episode where we took our, a different survey. Um, we then sort of yeah, talked about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, to just reiterate... Um, they found that people who um, uh, who reported having ASMR scored higher on measures for uh, openness to experience and neuroticism, and that they had lower scores for conscientiousness, extroversion, and agreeableness. I do want to point out really quick that in this paragraph, they do not refer to people who experience ASMR as tingleheads. They instead call them ASMR heads. One word. Yep. <laughs> and I like that. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, uh, I bel- so assuming that this is, in fact, the same Big Five uh, study that we had talked about previously, and I'm assuming it is. I, I can't imagine that there's, there's two of them. Um, we did take some issue with the, uh, the way in which they... They recruited the individuals uh, yeah. via Reddit versus just sort of a general... Yeah, general the, population. Uh, yeah. Uh, as where, so the people who... Their control group was just sort of uh, recruited from a general population, whereas the uh, group of people who reported experiencing ASMR were recruited from the ASMR subreddit. And so I suspect that there is some sample bias there, particularly with regards to the um, low scores on extroversion and high scores on neuroticism that uh, could simply be due to the fact that they got their uh, subjects from Reddit. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's see. Uh, and then we move over to the uh, to Craig Richard, the founder of yes. our leading competitor, <laughs> ASMR University. <laughs> uh, yep, um, ASMR University uh, is not an accredited uni- uh, institution. I think it's so that important that, that we point that out. I don't think <laughs> enough people know. <laughs> I think a lot of people they see that fancy name and they think, "Oh, this has got to be uh, better than that ASMR quest." No, they're no just better like than us. <laughs> sure, they have an actual. They're like, worse than us. They're liars. They got a professor working there who's who's done original published research in this <laughs> particular field, and he he may or may not work at a an actual accredited institution, a real university. He does, in fact, work at an he, actual he accredited does, university. Yes, um, but he does so in biopharmaceutical sciences. John, what's the connection between biopharmaceutical science and ASMR? Nothing. Yeah, I was going to say I don't know. Uh, I mean, some... biopharmaceutical science sounds like it's really just kind of. Actually, it sounds like maybe it could uh, have some overlap. Yeah, it probably has a probably does have an overlap because I mean, yeah, especially depending on like what his about sort of the. Well, but it would be like what you want somebody to create a, a pill that never lets you feel ASMR again because that's what <laughs> ASMR University is trying to do. So a new approach. Yeah, I suppose it depends what sort of aspects of biopharmaceutical sciences he's involved with. Certainly, he's more of the psychological side. 
uh, then that could have some overlap. But I'd just like to reiterate um, that uh, ASMR University is not a accredited. is not a real institution, and Craig Richard classes. is a hack. Unless he ever wants to shout out our show or have us on his show or Be come on our show, in yeah, which case, I've got to say, he is a He'd leading uh, ASMR researcher and reporter, and um, uh, we could really use the the mention. What was that website? And I'm, I'm sorry, Craig Richard. That we got Professor that horrible ASMR book from. Um, For some reason, I thought it was ASMR University, but it's definitely not the case. No, it, it was not. Um... I wouldn't say it was horrible. It was very basic. It was um, basic as a woman drinking the, the pumpkin spice latte in her <laughs> jeans. <laughs> um. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. I wonder why. So, I, so, I yeah, can't he, imagine. So Craig Richard at um, Shenandoah University has been running, and I think largely through ASMR University, actually, has been running this um, sort of ongoing um, research survey that we both mm-hmm. took in a previous episode, the yes. sort of ASMR questionnaire, um, yep. that has, you know, going on 20,000 um, people who've taken it, um, almost all of them, this time in quotes, tingleheads. So this is <laughs> really inconsistent throughout this article, and that's a delightful thing. Um <laughs> And yeah, so I guess the interesting part about um, this, and I think this was actually the, the portion of the article that generated um, the most discussion in the comments, was um, Craig Richard's idea that ASMR is, is basically um, an almost like bottled form of love. Right. That's sort of the, the phenomenon driving ASMR, you know, the, these sorts of the, the tranquil, womb-like intimacy of these videos gentle coaxing, assiduous personal attention, comforting words, smiles, and simulated stroking. Which is an interesting idea. It is consistent with some ASMR triggers, but there's actually, in the comments, I think there's a fair amount of backlash against this. Because, oh, interesting. Well, there are a lot of people saying, you know, it, it doesn't make sense for a lot of triggers. Like, there are people who say, you know, oh, my trigger is, like, library books. Like, you're in a library and you hear pages crinkling or something. What's that mm. got to do with love? Yeah, uh, so, I... I've always, I, I think I, for a while now, I've sort of uh, been under the impression that, or uh, it, my, my personal belief is that it's more uh, related to sort of a feeling of, of safety and comfort, mm-hmm. um, which, I mean, certainly, like, that goes hand in hand with uh, feeling loved, um, but I think it's more directly, or it's easier to more directly associate that with, like, a library book, is that, you know, there's sort of a... Uh, a, a safe, a feeling of safety that I think a lot of people would associate with a library. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's sort of a the stereotypical place of tranquility, right? Yeah, certainly. There's also some people in the in the comments um, pointing out just the fact that you know people talk about ASMR like it's a new phenomenon, but there's like you know, the, I'm 40 years old and I've been experiencing ASMR my whole life. That's sort of interesting to think about it that way. Like I also I do sort of think of ASMR sometimes as a new phenomenon. Um, mm. Because it is like, you know, it, 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 the name ASMR really came about you know, a decade or so ago. Um, and, you know, nobody had, like, ASMR videos before. Yeah. But there's definitely, you know, if, if it is indeed the case that there's a, you know, a somewhat sizable portion of the population that experiences ASMR, it appears that they, they experienced ASMR before, too. They just... Yeah, yeah. Sir. Which is sort of a bizarre thing to think about, isn't it? Like, this whole... Just something that nobody ever talked about. Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of strange Not to think like... about. But, I mean, I sort of... I can definitely see how it would be. Like, I mean, I never even really thought about it until I actually heard the word. Because, um, I mean, it sounds like there are some people out there for whom it's a very strong uh, sensation. But it sounds like... Like, I think for a lot of people, it, it really is a pretty mild sensation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there there just wouldn't really have been, like, a, a good way to, t- or a good, like, outlet to talk about it before, or a good, like, outlet to experience it. Like, there isn't going to be some, like, ASMR TV channel. Uh, that was, I mean, I guess there is. There's PBS. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Bob Ross. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but it would be a, a weird thing to sort of, like, dedicate a, a TV channel to, or is it, it... 
you know, compared to anything else on YouTube is not really that strange a phenomenon. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was sort of the last of the, the major studies that this, this piece talks about it then goes on, you know, um, uh, a quote from the synesthesia researcher saying that you know, we, we should maintain some degree of skepticism about ASMR. Um, there should be careful efforts to, to quantify it, figure out how to measure it, figure out how to induce it, figure out the neural mechanisms behind it. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, One of the things that this article pointed out, and I think that we can really sort of help address right now, is just the fact that ASMR, you know, it is a ridiculous name. It sounds fine as an acronym, ASMR, but Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response, like, there's no way you could hear that and not think this is pseudoscience. Yeah. So, well, so I... I think that we do need to come up with a new name for ASMR. <laughs> uh, I don't really... I, or at the very least, I don't want to be the one to come up with it. Well, why not? I'm fine with it. Everyone's adapted it. Everyone's getting used to it. The name's well, stuck. It's there. But, like, you can't you can't have a serious... It'd be like... You know, you can't have a serious phenomenon for, you know, real inquiry being called something all pseudoscience-y. Yeah, so that was actually something I kind of wanted to address. Is Towards the end of this um, article, it does talk about some of the obstacles to, like, conducting more research. Uh, and one of those being that uh, a lot of uh, people still kind of think the term ASMR sounds a little bit new agey. Um, and I think that that's insane. Because, like, regardless of whether or not, like, the term makes sense, or, like, regardless of whether or not you think it's, like, effective for, like, whatever people claim it's effective for, like... There's obviously something there, and I would think, like, you'd be curious about that. Like, if, it's, if like, an entire town, just, like, of people, just all of a sudden, one day, was like, hey, there was, like, a fire monster hanging out in town. Like, you don't necessarily believe that, like, there was a fire monster hanging out in town, but, like, I, you'd still be curious as to why, like, all of a sudden, all of these people thought that there was a fire monster in town. Like... Maybe. I don't know. I think like there's that... like, like there's certainly something that I think would be is like interesting to investigate. Mm-hmm. A lot of it probably depends on the prevalence of, of ASMR through a population, right? Because I, I yeah. can definitely imagine, like, you know, as someone who has never experienced ASMR, if I had just heard about it casually, like ASMR, oh, what is that? What is that? Autonomous sensory meridian response. I would I would probably discount it. <laughs> um I think that you know, it's it's not an insurmountable obstacle, obviously. Uh, I think that, you know, even with a silly name, it will eventually, um, as, as we're seeing, uh, sort of gain traction in the field of research. But there's definitely something to be said for, for branding in the scientific community, and ASMR has terrible branding. All right, that's fair. So I've, I've come up with a, a new name for ASMR. Okay. Um, and this is sort of the grand unveiling, the first place to hear it. What I did is I, I did a pretty arduous thing. I thought, you know, if, if we want to make this actually legitimate, what are all the other legitimate things? And the, the answer is that all legitimate medical conditions are um, just sort of bastardized Latin. It's okay. just like a really, like, you know, like, a, you know, like a maybe, maybe some type of head injury is just called head bonk, but in Latin. And okay. so it sounds all fancy, and so that's, that's legitimate <laughs> scientific um, terminology. <laughs> So I went to a an English to Latin um, translation service online, and I typed okay. in uh, tingling, mm-hmm. and out popped the new name for ASMR, tinnitus. <laughs> <laughs> so that's right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, go and inform all the ASMRists. They are now practicing tinnitus. They are encouraging tinnitus. They are causing tinnitus in their listeners. <laughs> um, the other uh, obstacle that they mentioned here, which I thought was like a very legitimate obstacle and makes a lot of sense, is uh, they're saying is uh, um, so. This is uh, uh, Stephen Smith again. Uh, is uh, said that it's sort of uh, difficult to sort of measure ASMR, given that 
like the two sort of primary ways that you uh, sort of measure brain activity are with an fMRI machine or EEG tests, uh, and that one of those is a big noisy machine that makes a lot of people uncomfortable, and the other one uh, involves attaching goop and sensors to your scalp. Uh, about and, the goop and sensors point. Um, I mean, there's there's something there, but like you know, I've 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 had an EEG before. I've seen like as if I. Are, they're, they're not that goopy. They're more sticky, I would say. That's fair, but certainly like as someone who has had to sleep with an EEG on, it is distracting. Mm. Okay, that's fair. And it is not like the most relaxing thing, and you feel like you like can't really move as much. I, I don't know. It, I can definitely see how it would be an obstacle to triggering ASMR. Yeah. The ASMR point is, is a very good one because those things that... I've never been in one, but they seem sort of like hellish coffins. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people like you get very claustrophobic in them. Mm-hmm. Plus, there's that scene from um, Black Mirror where someone gets put in an fMRI, have a scan done, but they actually have a little bit of metal in their brain, and so they just basically explode. Ian, no spoilers. Well, I didn't say what episode that happened in. And like, <laughs> what, every time you see an fMRI machine now... Actually, I guess it's in Black Mirror. I'm not sure fMRI machines are ever somewhere <laughs> else. But also, by the time the fMRI machine comes up, it's like, you know, 30 seconds until it happens. So I've, it's, a, it's, I think, a minor spoiler. Yeah, I, I'm not really too concerned. Uh, well, in any case, I think it's about time to wrap up. Uh, so, listeners, thank you very much for tuning in again this week. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Please send us an email at asmrquesting at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at asmr underscore quest. Uh, please uh, tell a friend about us. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again next week. Thank you. And stay tingly. Get tingle heads. 